Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Extra Time for engaged, unfiltered and analytical football debate from Scottish football and the wider world of the beautiful game. I'm Sean McGill and joining me today is my usual co-host Cameron Wonstall as well as some procrastinating students in Graham Sinclair and Struan Garvey. Why are you here Graham? Uh, so I don't have to do my essay. How very responsible of you. Strun's all done. Finished. Mine's just almost finished. In case anyone's listening. Mm-hmm. Almost can... finished. <laughs> Not more than 50%. Definitely more than 50% of the way through. Cameron, you go back to a football ground uh, this week. How was that? It was brilliant, mate. So it's also a shame that fans can't be there, but there was a few like directors and stuff, and even like the local reporters were clearly all Berwick fans, so there was still a lot of shouting at refereeing decisions. <laughs> it's basically what football should be, so I had a great time. You were at a few couple of games as well, eh? How did you find that? Good, I, I was. I took a trip to Stroon's hometown last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never been to Fourth Bank before, still in Albion's ground, and I thought it was a lovely wee ground. You like uh, it, yeah? I really enjoyed that. It was quite. Um... I've played on that pitch. Have you really? How did you play? <laughs> Pretty poorly, I can't lie. <laughs> played on it. Um, aye, but I still was not very lucky to be getting to go to football games at all. So, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Aye, it's a, a smashing time. I couldn't really be bothered driving home last night. I was going to ask Strain for a sleepover, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's a household rule we'd break. True, exactly. The only reason we didn't do that is because of coronavirus guidelines. And that's not that, even got like a shed or anything that you could stay in. I, I do, do actually. Yeah. Sorry, I don't think about that. But in my defence, Sean never asked. So I didn't ask. No, I, didn't, I, I was so uh, focused on those guidelines. Um, we I thought, don't break rules here. Exactly. We don't on energy extra time. Absolutely not. There's no point uh, getting sent off in extra time. <laughs> very true. But what we do do in extra time is give our big shouts, and that's how we're going to start the show today. So. Cameron, you've got a wee, a wee thing that you want to get off the ball. I know how some um, of our panellists feel about it, so how about you You yeah, set sure. us off? Uh, I was just going to say, the, the European Super League, I would never watch it. Like, I would, myself, not that they'd really care, but I just wouldn't <laughs> watch it. It'd be close to a boycott. I really, I would have no interest in watching a European Super League. Just wait to know everyone else's opinions on it. Graham, I know you, you've spoken before. Yeah, I've spoken about, a little bit about it before. I've said that if my team went into a Super League at this, I would stop supporting them. Good I just don't think it's good for the whole football. I don't think it would be that enjoyable a league. I think eventually you'd find people gravitate towards the top four teams and a lot of the big teams would lose support because ultimately there's always going to be a hierarchy. And there's going to be teams, I don't know, if you see Milan in it, probably, they'd be on the bottom every year, but they lose fans. I just kind of think, it's not good for football, it's not good for the big teams either, apart from the money scenario of it. It's just, there's nothing really, other than that, that nothing I'm more opposed to in the European Super League. I think it's more just, uh, I was thinking last night, Barcelona, Juventus was on. It was 2-0, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but it wasn't that great a game. And that's maybe two of the biggest heavyweights in the world. Like, group stage already in the Champions League can be quite boring at times. I'm sorry to say it. Like, the knockout stages is what you actually want to watch. And imagine just the group stage over and over again. They're saying they'll do, like, an MLS playoff kind of thing to, like, decide the winner of the European Super League. But I, I don't care. Like, I don't want to Americanize the sport. Like, it's just it's just going to be endless group stage. It's just going to be a mega league, and like teams like I don't know, let's just say Tottenham get into it, and I don't know, who's a fairly biggish team, um, like Atletico, they get into it. If they come like fifteenth, like five years in a row, they're just going to be like a new West Brom or a new West Ham or a new <laughs> I don't know Burnley. Like they're just not going to be a big team anymore. They'll get pushed out of it. Some other team will come in, and it's going to be just that, like an endless cycle. I don't get why we're even considering a European Super League. You lose like local derbies, apart from like the Manchester derby, maybe that'd be it. It's just a massive waste of time. It's a money grab, and I really hope that if it does happen, it fails, and it fails think, big time. Oh, I think you look at it as well. I think you look at the Champions League, which I think we all like the Champions League, and I all agree with the point that the Champions League group stage has been kind of boring. The best stories in the Champions League in recent years have been the smaller ones. It's been Ajax, Ajax two years ago. It is Monaco from when they had the youngsters with Mbappe and Lamar, Fabinho. 
and to lesser extent because they're like Taylor Pool's run to Kiev after the first time in the tournament in like seven eight years, they've mm. been the most exciting parts of the Champions League this yeah. in the last decade rather than the domination of Real Madrid. By giving it a super league, that doesn't happen because it's just the same teams over and over again. You just lose exactly. the spirit of it all. Yeah. I usually yeah. like to play. Oh, on your screen. I was going to say, can you imagine telling a 70, 80 year old season ticket holder who's been every United, Liverpool, whatever team they support game for 60, 70 years or something and just saying, yeah, so you're going to Barcelona this weekend and the next weekend you're off to Milan. Then you're back in England the weekend after. You, you just couldn't go to all those games. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Is don't, so don't we already have a European Super League in the Champions League? What happens to the Champions League? Does that just become the Europa League and then the Europa League would become the Conference League and then the Conference League that's coming up would become like... The Tunnocks carry them away for Challenge Cup. Honestly, like Stone Albion might get European football. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's just, I think it's a ridiculous. What do you think, Sean? Well, I was just going to say, uh, I usually like to play devil's advocate and big shout and try and get some some opinions fired back, but I find it really hard with this one because you just uh, just can't get behind it at all, I so. Wouldn't it be uh, nice for the Glazers to have more money? Yeah, wouldn't that be great? The overriding theme of all this kind of stuff recently is it's an American thing. Mm-hmm. It's inspired yeah. by owners that are American. It's in the mould of American leagues. And I feel like the only people that would actually be for this idea are American fans that, don't know, that aren't really up to date with the history and the importance of clubs, local clubs in the community and rivalries. Uh, Americans think Europe is like the size of Edinburgh anyway. Like They treat Europe as one big thing, so they probably think that going from Milan to Barcelona to London to Munich is no big deal. I already hated the idea of playing an El Clasico in LA or whatever that plan was. Why, why does that need to happen? I don't know. Do you remember the proposed, I think it was last year, that there was going to be one um, La Liga fixture each season would be played in America? And it's like, what's, what's the point? Is, is the MLS not enough? Do they need to take... Imagine, imagine having an old firm in Italy. It's, it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> yeah. the maximum of Italian Celtic and Rangers support. They've got like Super Cups and that. They've like the Spanish Super Cup in countries like Qatar and China or whatever. Fair yeah. enough. If you want to have yeah. stupid little pre-season friendlies that no one cares about in, I don't know, America or Japan or even like in a big European city, cool, do that. I do not care about pre-season. No one cares about pre-season. Go for it. But... Don't do it to the major tournaments and don't destroy like massive leagues like the Premier League and La Liga and Serie A Bundesliga by taking the top teams out of it. Well, to be honest, actually, no, I don't really care about that because I would quite happily watch a Premier League without the top six. It would be just as interesting. I don't care how good the team is. I would make it a more competitive league, in fact. But I don't see why they would want to do that anyway. They'll come back in 10 years grovelling to be let back in when the novelty wears off. And I kind of want to see that happen just so it blows up in their face. But... I don't know why they even want to experiment with this. There's no need. It's, it's Brexit and football, well. isn't it? It's just it's like Brexit. throttling to get back in, which I think there's something people have a lot to say about this country in the EU in a few years. So it's just it's ah, it's just mad. And like we said, America's at the root of most problems in the world, and this is certainly one of them as well. Um, Struan, what's your big shout? Right, so I, as, as I said, I've, I've not had much time to think about this, but I've, I've said it a few times with, with regards to Neil Lennon, but I don't think in his second spell at Celtic he has, he has made a good signing yet. Fair enough, the ones who have arrived in the summer, like Turnbull and Laxalt, they, they probably need a bit more time. But just just looking at his signings as a whole, I really don't think he's made that many good ones. Fraser Forster. See, I don't think he was that good because well, he was only there for... Come on! No, like, he, well, he was fantastic, but he was only there for one year. I don't think that could be classed as a good signing if yeah. he's not stayed it's around. A bad signing and then he's had to sign another goalkeeper in Barkas. But then, it's the same, you're, he's signed two seen... left-backs, he had to sign Greg Taylor, and then he had to go and sign Lax out further than that. He signed Klamala, and then he also had to sign a Jetty on top of that. Uh, but I just think there's other issues in the squad that have not been addressed. If you're saying that Neil Lennon hasn't made a good signing, but you don't want to include the ones from the summer there because they've not had enough time yet, that's only two windows. It's not an awful lot of time really for a manager to come in. Yes, he's got experience with the club, but he came in tail end of that season when Rogers left, got them over the line in the league, got them to the Scot- uh, to win the Scottish Cup and then it was reassessing. So who was in that window? Taylor, Forster on loan, uh Klamala was a poor signing in January, that's uh, hard to argue. For another's like Frimpong in the summer before. Yeah, Frimpong who's uh, Frimpong's a, 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 a strange one. Yeah, like, with, with Brendan Rodgers I mean he, he brought in Sinclair and Dembele in his first season and they were both absolutely fantastic just straight away I know, I know he probably has more of a pull in, in fairness to him for bringing in proper talent but I just 
I just think at the moment the signs haven't been good. And then I'd compare, like, Gerard has had quite a few iffy choices as well, but I think on a whole his signs have been quite useful. If you go that back to Lennon's first spell, though, there's yeah, some tremendous like signings Mulgrew, in there. Van Dijk, it's fantastic. Wanyama, uh, Izagiri, there, yeah, there's loads of good signings there. We yeah. So... I was um, kind of thinking that in, in mind as well. He made some really mm. good ones before, but maybe it is a bit harsh given he's only had the, the full job another second there. Yeah. But I just think a lot of last season he's been relying on players already at the club and Rogers' assignments. Yeah, maybe a wee bit premature, but there's definitely something in it. Um, Graham, what's your big show? Well, kind of interesting to mention Celtic <laughs> and signings. One of the th- I think one of the signings you guys would probably consider good is Jeremy Thringfong, but my big shout is that Jeremy Thringfong is currently the most overrated footballer in Scotland. He's only 19. Yeah, I'm not saying he's, he's got amazing potential. I think he's going to have a great career. I don't know where he's going to play, mind you, position-wise. I think his future may lie further up the pitch. But I think the praise he's been getting since he turned up at Celtic and into their team is a little bit too much. I don't feel like in the games I've watched Jeremy Frimpong, he's actually had a good game against a top side. I don't think he has done well in Europe. I think he has been the target in every single game he's played against Rangers. I'm not sure he's even had much of an impact against a team like Aberdeen as much as he should have, especially on Sunday. And it's not all on his shoulders. Some of it's style of play. I think they're kind of reliant on a 19-year-old too much Celtic. They um, are. That's a, that was kind of my inspiration and creativity. So maybe it makes them look worse. I think there's been a lot of direct comparisons to James Tavernier. I think you know, it's just natural to compare Rangers players to Celtic players. And I think putting the two on the same level was just silly at this point. I think Tavernier had his worst season last year, and I still think he was as good, if not better, than Jeremy Fringpong. Even though Tavernier makes mistakes, I think, I think he's a better defender. I think he's a bit, he's better going forward rather than. Whereas Frimpong can is reliant on his athleticism, talent here is better with the ball at his feet. He's better at crossing and his set piece delivery is lethal. Has Frimpong had a few injuries as well, hasn't he? Oh, I hate oh, when Jeremy Frimpong gets injured. He got, I was at that game, he got injured at Rugby Park and Alan Power put in a, a hard but f- like completely fair challenge on him that just the impact meant that Jeremy Frimpong was out for a few weeks mm. and Jeremy Frimpong's in the paper saying that Scottish football's hard men are out to get them and stuff like that, and it was like, mate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, like, in the Tavernier comparison, I don't think he really misses many games at all. Yeah, yeah he's just too. Aye, Tavernier's got fantastic longevity and uh, yeah. is almost always in that Rangers side. I think um, Amy made a good point a couple of extra times ago saying that that Frim Pong performance in the recent Old Firm was probably the worst he's had, and he's been sent off in one before. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's kind of like Champions League final, and Davies just got picked out. Like basically just a fullback they were like Bayern were too reliant on and he just had an absolutely torrid game. Obviously thankfully they still won, but like it just seems like he's still young. He's still got a lot to learn, especially defensively. Mm. And if another team who's good enough, like Rangers, um, can sort of pick him out as someone to someone just to attack on, someone to put all the balls to, then he's in real trouble because he he can't do it all on his own. To that point, I look at it more. It's not one game Rangers targeted them. Rangers targeted them him in three games over the course of a year, and from that we cut final into to the most recent game a couple of weeks ago. Nothing had changed. Yeah. I feel like a nineteen-year-old's improvement has to be kind of he has to develop, and there's been no signs since he came to Celtic. From that initial, oh my God, look at this guy! That Frimpong has actually improved as a player, and that's yeah. once again, it's not all on him. I think a young player's development is half on what his attitude and half on the club surrounding us in Celtic right now. They are in full win mode, so developing youngsters isn't their number one priority. But it just... He ha- I don't think his level of player as a Celtic player is as much as, is as good as people have said. Graham, when you said that you said it was silly to compare the Celtic Rangers right-backs, but I guess the big question is, can you purchase a James Tavenier top with a catchphrase on the front? What's Sun Pong Catfridge? I'm not catchphrase, I'm not afraid aware of that. Oh my days, obviously. Oh my days. Get all my days tops in the Celtic club shop. Why would you not want that? Can you actually? You can. I've seen them. Celtic themselves were selling them. Yep. It's um it's interesting. (laughs) It's certainly is interesting. Um I before I go down that rabbit hole, I should probably move on to, to my big shout which is that Sam Cosgrove getting injured for Aberdeen was uh, one of the best things that could have happened to that side. 
Um, it seemed like an absolute nightmare at the time. They were really struggling for backup striking striking options outside of Curtis Main. Um, and just staying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously they had a, a two million pound bid uh, recently rejected. Uh, no, sorry, that move went through in Cosgrove. No, that, yeah, sorry, they accepted that two million pound bid, and uh, to Gango and Cosgrove. Um, that it wasn't keen on the move. Maybe thought he could get a move to the championship, um, or down south somewhere. Uh, so that was potentially money lost out for Aberdeen. But without Cosgrove, without that big physical presence up up front, um, Aberdeen have been forced to change their style and it's worked out tremendously for them this season. They play with uh, the ball on the ground, they've got um, real attack and intent and trickery in the likes of Ryan Hedges and Scott Wright who I think has been brilliant this season. Um, instead they brought in a striker like Marley Watkins who I was critical of, I didn't think that was a great signing but um, he's actually proved to be pretty good. Ryan Edmondson's came on loan from Leeds as well as, an, as another option there and they've now got a ridiculous amount of talent in, in midfield and you look at Ricordi, Ferguson, McGeoch went off injured, uh, Ojo sits on the bench, loads of great talent in there and I think that when you had, that, the talent's been there for a long time for Aberdeen and that's what um, Don's fans I think were so frustrated about the fact that they had one of the most talented squads in the division, but it was still constant hoofball, and they were never getting any enjoyment out of watching their side, even if they were winning one now most weeks. But now they're going at teams, they're playing nice football, they're showing intact and intent, and the whole feeling around Pataudry, despite there being no fans there, the, there was a, a cloud over Derek McInnes last season carried on to this season, and I think that um, that's lifted a bit. Yeah, I was just about to say that's such a Derek McInnes thing to do like start playing nice football and there's no one there to watch it mm. <laughs> as soon as fans come back I bet that the game with 300 fans against Kelly I bet they were hoofing it yeah it'll be <laughs> Cosgrove's first game back like, <laughs> what are you going to say Graham? I was going to say that you mentioned that it's a, it a good big shout you mentioned but now that Cosgrove's back I don't think Aberdeen are going to revert back to the Aberdeen of last year I hope not I, th- I thought when Cosgrove came on on Sunday, I thought mm-hmm. he changed Aberdeen. But they didn't change their style, but I thought he looked like more of a threat. Because no matter how good Edmondson and Watkins played, they didn't really carry the goal threat that Cosgrove absolutely does. And I think there was a couple of opportunities last week where, where a match sharp Sam Cosgrove would score the chances. I believe there's one that Diego Laxalt blocked. And I think if, it's Con- if Cosgrove got it, it's hard to keep saying that name for some reason. If he was much sharp, he could have got a couple of goals last week. And I just think having him back with Aberdeen's new style of play with Hedges and Wright and McCrory and players like that, it's the most promising and positive outlook that Aberdeen fans have had in the last few years. Yeah, I totally agree. Cosgrove obviously hit, hit the bar on uh, on Sunday's well just before the, the penalty was awarded. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I was worried that we're just going to see Aberdeen start punting now, but you're right. And Cosgrove's obviously often been criticised for just being a goal scorer, scores a lot of penalties, tap-ins, headers, stuff like that, but I've always thought his link-up play was maybe not excellent, but pretty good, and um, he's in, he won't be looking, there was all, coming into this season you thought maybe we'd be thinking about a move first couple of months before the window closed in October, he might have not been as interested, but you've got a clear run to at least January now, where Cosby will be looking to get into the side, and well, fight his way back into the side really, because Aberdeen have been picking up such impressive results, so... Um, I think it's just good for the player, for the team, and certainly for Dennett McInnes because I think people will be looking at his uh, position at Aberdeen a lot more safely than, than they were. Um, let's move on now to the second ball, and again we get to focus on the Champions League. Um, Struan, I'll come to you first and let you talk about, um, I imagine a particular player. Um, you watched Manchester United last night, how about you just you just take this one away? Well, I, th- I think Dr. Marcus Rashford, MBE, deserves all, all the pre- all the praise that can be given, all the credit, I think. I mean, he didn't actually do that much on the day. He just, he just kind of came on and scored a quick hat-trick. It's a pretty nice hat-trick, but a lot of his off-field work is um, is probably what should be getting the praise more. But, yeah, re- really, really good result for Man United. Another big game that Solskjaer just seems to be a tactical genius for. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't understand it, to be fair. Outmanoeuvring Thomas Tuchel and Julian Nagelsmann in a week. <laughs> some suits um, but yeah I think that's really impressive I mean that's last year's Champions League finalist and semi-finalist I just think it's a massive result really really positive the team looked fantastic it's one of those games where I think you just see every single player 
was fantastic. You know, even De Gea made some really important saves. I think this season he has looked like the De Gea we've known the past few seasons. Again, he looks to have gotten his confidence back. I don't know whether that's with Henderson coming back. You know, there's that pressure now of he actually might be dropped. But yeah, he's looked really good, and the whole team as a whole performed really well. I thought I thought Fred would probably have been my man of the match to be honest. Even even with Oliver Rashford uh, axed during it, I, I did think he was fantastic. Um, like I said, I personally didn't watch the game, but I understand that, again, United changed their formation and it was a, a diamond in midfield this time. Yeah, I, th- I think that was... It's probably been crying out for United when you look at the midfield talent. I mean, at the start of last season, I would have probably said it was the weakest area, and now I would probably say it's probably the strongest in, at the club at the moment. And I think I think it just accommodates everyone. It gives the defence more shielding, because we've seen this season how pretty poor they've been under pressure. I think I think the, it suits the forwards as well because there's no real natural right winger in the team and it's always somebody, whether it be Juan Mata or Daniel James maybe having to play or Greenwood, it's always just forcing a player out of position. But I think playing a front two really suits the system and it just means that you can get you know more out of Pogba, Bruno Fernandes and players like Donny van de Beek. And I, th- I think it's just really well from Solskjaer just to be able to change the system and have it work so well. Yep, um, definitely. Cameron, on Saturday it was a 0-0 draw between United and Chelsea, but Chelsea managed to get their shooting boots on in, in, in Russia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, ended 4-0. Uh, I thought, to be honest, Krasnodar, maybe the first 10-15, actually looked like they were going to give Chelsea some trouble, but um, other than that, our late chance, I think they hit the bark in like a goal-mouth scramble situation. Chelsea were just on top. Like They missed a penalty, penalty early on from Jorginho. Um Hudson Adoy got the opener, but it was a goalkeeper mistake. I think Chelsea fans would have been frustrated because a lot of their chances in the first half, they just hit straight to the goalkeeper. Luckily, that one, the goal had an absolute nightmare, bounced over him and went in. But um, I think it was kind of like United. It wasn't until, I think both games were 1 0 until the 75th minute. And then floodgates just kind of opened, and you saw, I think it was Werner, Ziyech, and Pulisic all grabbing goals. So good for their confidence. You know, it's an attacking line that has a lot of potential, but we've not really seen a lot of it yet. But um, yeah, really easy win, um, easy win, and quite a hard destination away away in Russia. And Graham, it was a, a win for Liverpool in the Champions League, but uh, the headline might not be the result in the fact that there could be more defensive uncertainty for the Reds. Yeah, Fabinho picked up a hamstring injury, and I saw some reports today that it is worse than Liverpool had hoped, which leaves them with one fit senior centre half. Now and possibly having to go with Reese Williams for the foreseeable future, depending on Joe Matter's fitness status. How was the performance on Tuesday though? Um, out with the the defensive worries. Incredibly average. I don't know how much of it was they couldn't get up for the game, how much it was complacency, and how much of it was just using this game as kind of a rest game. Sometimes teams can take games off while still playing, and I thought it might have been the case that they didn't have to get out of third even win the game. To Midgetland, Midgetland's credit, they were better than I expected. Having seen them last season play their own team, and they expect Liverpool to be even better and absolutely smash them. But mm. they had chances, including a massive chance before Salah got, got a penalty for the second. Obviously, Salah, Firmino, and Mai didn't play this game, which is a part of it. And Minamino and Origi will be annoyed at themselves that they didn't take a chance, both looked quite poor. But ultimately, it's all they really needed was the three points. The performance wasn't important. And the takeaway really is just for being no get healthy, please. Um, where's Diogo Jota been playing these last couple of days? Because when I've been looking into it, it seemed, there was three forwards playing on Tuesday, but then Jota was in the team, and then I think Sky might have had him in central midfield against Sheffield United at the weekend. Is that where he's been playing? or Everywhere, really. Right. Everywhere. He everywhere in the front three, he has started against Villa, he started in the left wing. Uh, on Saturday against Sheffield United, I have no idea where he played. Liverpool played a four two three one and it seemed like Jota was just everywhere. I don't know whether that was by design or just it's crazy football because they went one 0 down. And it seemed to start on the right on Tuesday. And it kinda of drifted, went in went in central when Salah and Mane came on. It was just, he's been playing kind of along the whole front three. Fair enough. Uh, certainly a very valuable addition for uh, Liverpool so far. Struan, let's talk about Real Madrid. They once again drop points, but they'll be lucky to come away from one, really, considering um, how late they struck in their game against Borussia Mönchengladbach. 
Yeah, I mean, Real Madrid did dominate most of the game, to be fair. A bunch of Gladbach's goals were very well taken on the counter-attack. But I'll, I'll be honest, I was quite gutted to see Real Madrid come back, especially yeah, after they lost to Shakhtar. It looked like they'd come back as well there. It was luckily ruled as being offside. I was, I was kind of hoping the, the, their um, their goal to make it 2 on the ball had gone out of play just before. I think it was Casemiro hooked it back in. But it was still in. But yeah, I think it's yep. I think it's really worrying signs for Real Madrid. I really do. I just I know they beat Barcelona at the weekend, but given the, the state that Barcelona are in, who actually won their game, but it's just it's one of them. Where I think even uh, like Real Madrid, they've got those players in the team like Modric, Ramos, Benzema, Cruz. They can they can win a game. You know, even when they're playing badly, they've got what it takes to at least get something out of it. I thought Courtois made a really big save as well, but mm-hmm. I, it's hard to say they didn't deserve it because they were the better team for the majority of the game. They just. They just struck late with their goals, but I think it's always gotten when you see a team like Mitchell Gladbach, who, for I think they were the fourth seed in that team, they're pretty good. They're really, really fun to watch. Boyan yeah. and Turam are a really good combination up front. They're playing fantastic and, football, weren't they? Yeah, and, the, um, the pass that player played in the first goal oh, I thought was unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's, it's just, oh, I just don't understand how players can do them, just on a plate for them. I, and, um, I don't know, because. I, th- I would agree with you that Real Madrid dominate the game, but in terms of clear cut chances, it probably was in Gladbach's. Uh, favour uh, and that clip at half time where Real Madrid players are discussing <laughs> I have to admit I thought Vinicius Junior looks like I, I don't know a player to compare him to but is on the ball he's absolutely like fantastic but his end product like his passing the final third or just taking opportunities is so poor Jordan Jones yep Brandon we've had Barker, some, maybe. some rubbish comparisons last week and let's go with Vinicius Junior's Jordan Jones I think he's still very like, is he 18 now? I don't know how young he is Vinicius Junior is pretty young and he's obviously going to get better but I'm, I'm not convinced by I'm not even convinced by Eden Hazard at Real Madrid either to be honest yeah he came on and didn't do too much Marco Sensio was pretty rubbish um, I was just relying on that old guard still isn't it you know, yeah. Ramos penalties to a title last season probably going to be the same this time around Graham you were watching the ghost show last night <laughs> <laughs> Previous edit is maybe gone. Uh, is why we're laughing here. Um, Alright, so you were just sat watching it, doing nothing else, and um, I, I guess a lot of the focus would have been on Barcelona Juventus, considering um, the fact that they are the two of the biggest teams in Europe. The whole Ronaldo Messi narrative that was unfortunately wasn't allowed to play out, considering Ronaldo's positive COVID test. Um, but what was the story in that match? And and, and out with that then, was it the, just the fact that Juventus looked poor or was Bar- were Barcelona pretty good in this one? And that, the narrative I take away from it, Sean, is that both teams are still kind of struggling to find themselves this season so far. I mean, yep. Barcelona had the majority of the play and the majority of the chances in that game. But I wouldn't say they were entirely convincing. There were nothing to be scared of. And poor out on the other side, poor Avaro Marata. Three disallowed goals yesterday. Kind of a guy that's been given a hard time <laughs> for his lack of goals when he scores three times, but all three times he's like a foot offside. It's quite unlucky for the guy. Poor Alvaro Morata. What a, what a shame on the guy. Is there any other Champions League stories that people are, are keen to talk about? I, I like to open this bit up in case anyone else has got a wee story they'd like to chat about. Apparently Foden made quite a good touch against Marseille, which was all over the place. He just kind of brought the ball down. Quite nice. That was apparently a big story. <laughs> a big story <laughs> for anybody... Manchester City. Yeah. That's that game covered. Genuinely, go. I've not seen any of the goals in that game. I've just seen one touch. And, like, it's, it's good, but... Like... All of them were, like, tappings, basically. But all three goals were just well-worked bits of play from Marseille mistakes. So I, I don't know if it's just me, and I know I have bias because of Manchester United, but I, I never watch Manchester City in the group stages because it's always an easy group and they always win, like, every single game. I watch them pass a group stage because it's always entertaining, but... I always <laughs> to see them capitulate. Just... Yeah, basically. <laughs> to see uh, Pep play, like... Kevin De Bruyne up front or Gundogan on the right wing and then they go out to some English team when they shouldn't have. Uh, it's quite enjoyable. You're saying that Gundogan on the wing was not the right play against Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, probably Next not. thing you'll be saying Fernandinho at left back. Monaco was a good show. <laughs> My overall Champions League thoughts are Joshua Kimmich's goal was spicy oh. and I worked out that I think Rangers could beat 12 teams that are in the Champions League. <laughs> 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 have, you, 
are we presenting that list of 12 teams or is this a, a rough I, number? I, I can give you that list. Let's, I think it was 12. Let's hear 12 teams that Rangers could beat in this season's Champions League. Well, I think there's actually more than 12 teams that I think Rangers are equal to or better than. But they could be on their day and not well, like more, a, a Barcelona. There's more than 12 in that, but as right. teams that are equal to a normal, normal playing field. Uh, right. Lokomotiv Moscow, yeah. uh, Olympiakos, Marseille, Midgetland, Krasnodar, Rennes, Club Bruges, Ferencvaros, Dynamo Kiev, Istanbul, Bakshir. I'm not sure if that was 12. I'd, I'd add Porto to that list. I didn't yeah, add Porto. I think Porto had an off year. I think in, in regards, yeah. I wouldn't be terrified of Porto or Salzburg or Lazio. Uh. I'd agree or, with you, to be honest. Or Zenit. Yeah. No, to be fair, there was none of those where I went, no. right, Graham's talking a load of rubbish here. <sighs> see, I didn't, see the I way didn't Real Madrid have been playing. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. <laughs> and they sure. probably are going to drop into Europa League because I watched uh, Shakhtar on Tuesday in the early kick-off against Inter and they were great and that wasn't even their first team. They gave those uh, young players who had to come in because of the 10 positive COVID uh, cases another run-out. And it was a very different performance. They what sat and no, no, um, but they Keep sat and unreal save. Sorry. Yeah, he did. Um, tipped it onto the bar from a Lukaku free kick, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I Shakhtar looked great. A very different performance. And they'll have a double header against Real now, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I saw the the xG for this game. It was uh, Shakhtar zero point zero seven. And Inter had 2.09. So um, I think it showed who had the better. Lotaro Martinez missed a fantastic chance. Because um, Lukaku as well had 0.88 xG. So he pretty much could have won that game himself. Um, but I, we said it was a group of death when we previewed uh, this the Champions League on Energy Sport. And it definitely has proved to be that because I still don't know who's going to th- go through from that group and I don't even know who the favourites are. And I would love to see Real Madrid uh, drop into Europa League and get absolutely bodied off Steven Gerrard's Rangers. I think that would be <laughs> fantastic. But my pal said that he thinks the only teams that could beat us in Europe wouldn't want to play Liverpool, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern, which I didn't agree with. But They're the only teams that he wouldn't want Rangers to play against. It's the only team that thinks we couldn't beat at any point. <laughs> Borussia Dortmund's a weird I would. Shout. I was going to say, I don't think I'd go on Dortmund. Well, I also asked the question, could Rangers beat PSG if Mbappe and Neymar didn't play? And I think they could. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So PSG is such a weird one because like, Aye, give it I generally don't know if their players are that good. I, I, know, that, I know that sounds stupid. No, I don't think PSG are a great team. Graham, you had them as your favourites and I really didn't think that I don't think PSG are good. See, see, see like Verratti, I don't think I've ever seen him put in like a fantastic performance. Yeah. I don't I, I know. Feel I, like I, I admit to not watching PSG that often. The Verratti Rabio sort of stage of PSG actually looking back on it now when you look at Ander Herrera, Adrissa Ganagay, I think they were actually a lot better back then. And obviously you've got better players in the forward areas now, but I'm just I I just really don't uh, so PSG are still to play Leipzig, aren't they, over yeah, that's that'll be the next that, two. They've got back to back. I wouldn't even say that. Uh, yeah. that um, PSG team might not go out of that group. Yeah, I so think the, the front three is arguably like the best in the world. It's, it's mm-hmm. incredible. But then, but other than that, but that's our tactic, kinda, though. You two do something. It's like yeah, yeah. It's like you play three holding midfielders because you can just let the front three do all the attacking, basically. Who's the goalkeeper? Yeah, Navas. I was honestly thinking for my big shout that Real Madrid should have held on to him but Courtois was very good last season so I thought it would be a bit controversial yeah Courtois didn't get a good start at Real Madrid today but he's, he's he seems to be coming into it now yeah. well some lovely European football chat there but it's time for the big part of the show see it out and I wonder how we're going to do that I don't think there's a clear favourite in this one I think it would be an intre- a tough one Jamie McIntosh was on he'd be doing well but he's not. So, Mark Wilson became the first manager to be sacked in the SBFL this season by Breaking City because they are hoaching. So, can we name the remaining 41 SBFL managers? Oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be, but I'm looking forward to it. I thought that was going to be the, the relegated ones in history. <laughs> or who was the first one of the season? That would be brutal. Um... So I am. I'm just looking. And when Cameron did stadiums, he asked us to say 
the team as well. I'm not going to do that because if you want to have a punt at uh, one of those one those Scottish managers who's just on the constant merry-go-round of jobs, then I'm happy yeah. for you to just say their name and hope that they do have a job at this moment in time. Uh, I'm definitely not winning this one. It's true there. Graham's going to pick up a win here. I'm going to let Graham go first before he cries on this podcast because he gets very upset at the fact that he's always last. So I'll go uh, Graham Struan Cameron because I don't like Cameron. Thank you. No bother. Graham, you're more than welcome to get us underway. Stephen Gerrard. True. Jack he is Ross. a manager. Jack Cross is oh. also a manager. Neil Lennon. I don't know if he's a manager, but he's there. Uh, Stuart Kettlewell. He is there. David da- Deher. That's, that's incorrect, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> no, hang on. <laughs> Alex Dyer. Yay! Um, Robbie Nielsen. Oh, we've, we've jumped to the division below. Hmm. Well, I had to go for mm, Mickey Mellon. He is a manager. James McPick. Oh, that's also the division below. Uh, Jim Goodwin. Uh, soon to be the division below. <laughs> <laughs> Big Chipper. <laughs> Could you please give <laughs> uh, Christian names? Uh, Big Chipper, Brian Rice. <laughs> the ugliest manager in Scottish football. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Jeez. Um, Ian McCall. Ian McCall is also Uncle Ian is there. We've we've dropped down another league. That's our first one from Um, the third tier. Stephen Robinson. Yep, he is there. The bus driver, (laughs) Gary Hope. Gary Hope is Kelly tattooing his leg. What a man. I'm I'm already doubting if this has been said, but Derek McInnes? Derek McInnes has not been said. You're fine. I thought pretty much he was done. Uh, I'll go Dick Campbell. <laughs> you said Dick. Finally swore. Dick Campbell is there, man with the legend. The Mumbler, Callum Davidson. Callum Davidson is there. Uh, this one's for Jack. Mark Kerr. Mark Kerr, because that's the only reason anyone knows who the Air United manager is. <laughs> um, John Robertson. John Robertson, Hearts legend, of course. I'm going to keep thinking of ex-Hearts people. <laughs> yeah, they, all, they constantly get jobs for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, aye, John Robertson's here. Jim Duffy. Jim Duffy, the, I believe the oldest manager in the SBFL. I believe it's Dumbarton too. Dumbarton manager, he is, he is. Oh, by the way, I maybe got a clue here. There is one set of um, yeah. co-managers you only have to give me one of them. Oh, sorry if I've just thrown people off there, but I meant to say that at the start. But I, if you if you think, oh, if you're stuck there thinking, oh, who's that other one? I know one of them. Oh, is that is it Strun's turn? Oh, is it turn. me? Yeah, it is you. Uh, David McCracken. That's correct. His co-manager at Falkirk with former Kilmarnock striker Lee Miller. Thanks for the hint. <laughs> um, John McGlynn. John McGlynn is, is Wraith Rovers manager, top of the championship, championship. at the moment. Yeah, quality. Peter Grant. Peter Grant is at Alawa Athletic. Oh, oh I'll be struggling. I'm, really sh- I'm, I'm almost positive this person's been said again. Stephen Robinson. Stephen Robinson has been said. Yeah. Cameron did <sighs> yeah. say the Motherwell manager. So, Struan, you are out. I believe I've said all the Premiership managers, so you're going to have to get your thinking caps on, Troops. I've got two certainties. So, uh, I'll go with Stevie Crawford. Stephen Crawford's a Dunfermline manager. Is he a former Hearts man? I think so. Cer- I have a certainty and then I struggle. I believe Paul Hartley is the Cove Rangers manager. Indeed he is. Another uh, former Hearts man. Maybe, was it maybe your other one, Cameron? Or have you got... No, who, did, who was that? Sorry, I missed that. Paul Hartley. Oh, God, I forgot about Paul Hartley. <laughs> no, that wasn't. No, it wasn't one. Um, I'll go David Hopkin. He's at Morton, I'm sure. He is, after that fantastic job he did in successive promotions at Livy. He... No, I have no one. He left to get a decent job and then could only get more. <laughs> Still a couple of championship ones not been said. I think. Um, the Queen of the South ones are, but I don't know his name. And I can't don't think know the Queen are. of the South. Oh, I can't remember his name. I can't remember who it is. I think you'll tell me. I remember. <laughs> you probably will. Uh, I'm gonna go for. I'm actually struggling here. I'm gonna go with Jim McAnally and hope that he's got a team right now. 
Yeah, I'm sure. So you know what? Peter Heat. He's safe every time. So he's the captain. Graham. Mhm. It's correct. He's Peter Head manager. Yeah. I'm gonna go. This is a good one. <sighs> I've done well. I'm running out of fuck. Um. Oh. 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 This guy, Danny Lennon. What a guy. Danny he's Lennon. Still, he's still the, going, isn't he? The silver fox, Danny Lennon, <laughs> is still Clyde manager. I'm trying to think of who Breakin just hired because I just saw their tweet earlier. Um, I said the room in 41 because I believe that's temporary. Ah, oh, I probably don't remember it anyway. No, I'm stuck though. I have no idea. Yeah, but you may be alright because I'm struggling too. I'm trying to see where my obvious ones. That championship one, maybe. But apart from that, you've done pretty well, troops. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else that I would. I am. You've done pretty well. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you for bowing at this point. Graham started as well, so you'd both. Yeah. I've certainly not got a tiebreaker. Should just give it to me. Get thinking right now. The other one I've got, Ben Ferguson's a non-league. Okay. Oh, I'm so struggling. I wonder. I wonder who you, Rangers supporting Graham Sinclair, has as their non-league manager under heat. <laughs> no, I said Barry Ferguson. I, 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 I said I already said it. Oh, I said uh, yeah. oh, Come on, come on, come on. Oh, Nobody Fowler, said the not, stone. James Fowler's not going to say manager. I've just thought I've one. I've just thought one. I've got one. No, so sure um, James Fowler is director of football at Kilmarnock. Um, so he's not. Uh, Queen of the South manager. Have you got one, Cameron? I do. Edinburgh City. James, is it McDonough? Mac- McDonough? God, I can't pronounce it, but it's like MC Don something. McDonough. I'm just going to say McDonough. Madonna- James. Madonna <laughs> James is Madonna. the Edinburgh City manager. <laughs> yeah. Please say he's not Cameron? Because he was last year on my FM. You have won this week's. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Oh, that was a, a very good that. effort, Troops. Um, I'll rattle through the ones you missed. Stuart Petrie is Montrose manager. Stephen Farrell's at Stranraer. Peter Murphy at Annan. Darren Young is the East Fife manager. Uh, Gavin Price at Elgin City. Gary Bolin, Cowdenby. Uh, see what I was thinking? I tried to test myself before this, and I was I thought Ian Murray, and I was like, no, wait, that's like the Labour MP. And it turns out there is an Ian Murray at Airdrie as well. So. Uh, is that what you know, the other name in my head that popped up? Was it was Ian Murray? It was James Fowler and Ian Murray, and I said James Fowler. I see, I, was, I, was, I just made that up. I just thought about it. No, he was Dunbar manager, and I didn't know a team, but Airdrie might run as well. Uh, I don't know if Strange can help me with this one. The pronunciation is still the manager. Kevin. Kevin. Just Kevin. Rutskovic. <laughs> Ah, Ruskovic. Ruskovic, him. Uh, Queen of the South manager is former Kilmarnock manager Alan Johnston. David Irons is at Stenhouse Muir. Stuart Malcolm's at Forfar Athletic. Oh no, Ray McKinnon's at Queen's Park. And Brian Reid at Albion Rovers. Thank God I didn't have a third team. Because I would not have got any of them. Not one of them. Not even Ian Murray. Alan Johnston used to play for Hearts. Nah, don't have a clue. He's magic. <laughs> oh well, I'll take that. Alan Johnston was the manager when they beat Hibs on the last day of the season to send Hibs into the playoffs and then got embarrassed by Hamilton. That was quite that. No He's bother at all. Um, Did you see that Sky tweeted there that um, Clever Di Camona's not going to need surgery after uh, Comarnik's 1-0 win over Hibernian at the weekend? Hang on a second. <laughs> Those numbers are the wrong way around. Uh, just classic Sky Sports. You've got to love them. Um, awarding us the three points, so breathing down Hib's neck. Um, so well done to Cameron for winning C out. It's been a while, I think, since you've won the game of C out. So. Oh, I'm on like last week, that. Uh, oh, wait, I didn't count those ones because I didn't win any of them. There was two. Um, That's a disgrace. First one counts. Yeah, true, actually. <laughs> um, let's get on now to talking about. The old no, firm in... So, sorry, Sean. On you go. It's important to mention that uh, Jack Donnelly still has zero wins. <laughs> you almost caught me out there, Graham. But just for the official record, Jack Donnelly does have zero see-out wins. The only person at Energy Sport. What a guy. That's, that's 
to breaking news for this podcast. Jack Bre- Donnelly. Jack Donnelly did not win see it out this week. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't know because he does have a laptop. So he's got zero wins and he's five hundred quid down. Um, <laughs> 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 well, talk about the old firm, <laughs> old firm in Europe now. Uh, Great. We'll start with yourself. Rangers at home to let Poznan. Stephen Jenner's got a fantastic record in Europe. Any chance of that being uh, blemished at all this evening? Based on my confidence in saying how good we would be in the Champions League, aye, it's inevitable that... In the Champions League? Aye. Oh, saying how good you will be, sorry, sorry. It's inevitable that tonight we'll now drop points against against Poznan. Taking away hoodoos and jinxes and all that sort of stuff, it should be about as straightforward a game as Rangers have in this group stage. Like Poznan are 10th out of 16 teams in the Polish league, which isn't an outstanding league as it stands, so to not be doing great in that league is nothing to be feared of. They played well against Benfica in a high-scoring game last week, but I think Rangers can get it done defensively. I'm expecting a win. I'm optimistic of a win, but please don't come back to haunt me if they don't. I'm sure we will. Um... That's another opportunity to clip tonight. If Rangers lose in the Europa League to Lech Poznan, when Graham's talking about how well they, how they'd batter the entire Champions League. Yeah, at, at some point, our bullying culture is going to just kind of, people are only going to see the bullying comments and realise, like, what the hell are these guys talking about? You know nothing about football. <laughs> and I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> uh, it's another tough week for Celtic. Uh, Cameron, we'll start with our away trip to Lille. Uh, it's a, a pretty tough ask considering Lille are doing so well in Liga and Celtic don't look up to scratch at all this season. Yeah, definitely. They've got proper good foes, especially up top. They've got Jonathan David and Burak Yilmaz and former Celtic Loney Timothy Ware. Like, that's a good, that's three amazing attacking options. Um, Lille doing really well just now. They're still unbeaten in the league. I think they're behind PSG though. Just, I think. That. Um, just, yeah, it's really like a point or goal difference or something. They beat Sparta Prague last week convincingly. I think it's 4 0, 4 1, something like that. I think they scored four goals. Um, so, definitely a team still it couldn't really be drawn against. Um, Rangers should have an easier time against Lech Poznan than Celtic will against Lille anyway. And, um, yeah, I think Lille will probably win this. And like you say, it's just, just the start of a tough week for Celtic. Absolutely, and that carries on to Sunday's Scottish Cup semi final against Aberdeen. Strun, uh, well, I was going to say, can we expect as exciting a game? The first half at Batodri was pretty rotten until Lewis Ferguson was battered into by Incham, but uh, do you expect it to be as high scoring or do you think at, at Hamden in a semi-final it might be a little more edgy? I think, yeah, I think there'll be more to it. I think Celtic are actually prioritising this game, just having a quick glance at their lineup for tonight in the Europa League. Is it out? It is out. I think it's the exact same team that played against Aberdeen. You're going to be knackered. I know, yeah. I th- it's Ayer and Elianusi again starting up front. That's brave. <laughs> Very similar names in my defence. Um, no Brown again. No, no, uh, Brown, Brown is playing, so I think the only person who's dropped out is Rogic. Oh, yes, yeah, Tom Rogic is on the bench. I'm looking at it probably now, and I think it is. But yeah, I think I think that should be the priority. Just because I think this is a game Neil Lennon is probably expected to lose. I think if, if we're being honest in this game, I think Lille are probably the favourites to win it. But Aberdeen is still, I think they'll still be having an eye on the Scottish Cup. That you know, that's a quadruple treble technically. I think, isn't it? If they win it, it would be a quadruple treble to win the Scottish so, Cup. So that's pretty good. Might be the last thing Lennon wins at Celtic, but I think they'll have one eye on that. I'd, 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 I'd fancy Aberdeen though. Uh, I really do think they had the confidence boosted from that game, and I think Celtic at the moment are in such a such a rut. I think they. I don't know what their confidence is going to be like, especially when they probably lose tonight to Lille. Yeah, can I just sorry? Can I just quickly put something out there? Like they've been beat by Rangers, Milan, Drew with Aberdeen. They could lose to Lille and Aberdeen this week. Do you think Lille could also be like be sacked within a few weeks? Because even after that, Motherwell away, Hibs away, two not tricky ties, but with a run the run, they could easily drop points there. I think so the Scottish Cup semi is massive. Yeah, mm-hmm. hugely. If they don't win the Scottish Cup, eleven, then. I think. I yeah. think Celtic bounce back on. Uh, sorry, they Saturday or Sunday. Sorry. They play on Sunday. Play on I think they'll Sunday, bounce yeah. back. Uh, even for a team that are in a crisis like Celtic, with the quality they have, I just don't think that Aye. potentially really not winning five games in a row is something that's even feasible. Even the best teams, the best teams eventually find a way to get to get a win. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if they don't know. Surely Neil Lennon's job security is kind of. And I'm worried about Aberdeen as well because I feel like. 
they've not had a good performance against Celtic in about 10 years, so I feel like they used up all their, all their points <laughs> on Sunday. I can't imagine they're going to recreate it. especially all the magic. I think they have, especially in um, in cup competitions. Aberdeen seem to come up against Celtic in both the League Cup and the Scottish Cup every season and they end up getting beat. So um, I think they're just going to have to take their point in the league and be happy with that because I, really, I think they will struggle tonight in France-Celtic but I can see them properly coming out swinging at Hamden on There's also a Sunday. massive chance that more Celtic players might get COVID, just the European travel. Yeah, obviously, obviously you don't hope that, but there generally is a possibility that come Aberdeen, you don't know who could potentially be out. Yeah, true. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I don't take your point, Shun, that European travel in club competitions is necessarily bad. I think people complain about the international break, but that's be- that wasn't because they were travelling to other countries as much as they were travelling to meet people from other Different countries. Clubs. Other from, clubs, yeah. That's the issue. It wasn't like, if Celtic can go to France and surely they go, and the airport's a bit of a risk, a bit more of a risk than staying in Scotland. But they're still in the same bubble of their own club the whole time that they have been for weeks, so they should be fine because airports getting outbreaks. Airports are the top priority for not getting outbreaks. Yeah. Um, We'll move on to the other Scottish Cup semi-final now, uh, which should be a, a good laugh considering the fact that we're an Edinburgh-based podcast, Edinburgh-based website, and we've got plenty of Edinburgh-based fans. I know. <laughs> it's, the, it's the format of the show, Graham. It's not about our priorities. It's just the way we preview at the end. Okay? Um, Struan's a Hibs fan. Cameron's a Hearts fan. Are we excited for this one, boys? There's no fans. It's last season's competition. Do we care? Yeah, because we might not yeah. see many Edinburgh derbies anytime soon. Cause there we we're go! We're in different divisions, aren't we? Shut up, Stroop. <laughs> no need for that, man. No need for that. It's nah, just a fact. It's, it is yeah. true, you're right, it is true. It's they true. are in different divisions. Nah, it is true. It's, it will be good. It will be whatever fan base wins, it's huge for them. Because Hearts basically have like the right to say, like, yeah, we're a division below you and we're still the bigger team. But if Hibs win it, that's kind of just a nail in our coffin. Like, that's just... It's just total embarrassment. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too confident about this game. I think we'll line up like we did against Dundee opening day of the season. I don't know who'll be up top, whether it's White and our boys. Um, but I think Harren and Irvin centre mid probably. Popescu and Halkett at the back, I'm still not that certain on. I think we need a Craig Gordon masterclass because Hibs are just so good in attack with Boyle, Dodge, Nisbet. They're just so scrappy and just brilliant at scoring goals. So, yeah, I'm a little bit feared, especially after that 1-0 against Arbroath last week, which was less than convincing. Mm. I'm, I, I'm also quite nervous after just witnessing the last Edinburgh Derby last season. Mm. Played off the park. That's how that it is in Edinburgh Derby. Whoever's doing worse often, <laughs> often wins mm. the Derby. It's a weird it's so Derby for that. And yeah, now there's no fans as well, which is... It's been a good run of winning at each other's ground, hasn't there? Like A lot yeah. over recent years, I feel like Hibs often win at Tynecastle and Hearts often win at Easter Road, but they were in neutral t- territory on, a, yeah. on Saturday. I think Hamden must be one of the worst stadiums I can think of yeah. to have no fans because you're already miles away from the fans to begin with when they're there. Yeah. Maybe if it was the same then. It's an, it's an awful it's an awful stadium mm-hmm. like with fans most of the time let's be honest apart from a few select nights but yeah when it's going to be empty imagine just how soulless that place will feel. At least if it was at Tynecastle or Easter Road you could kind of get going but Hamden shouldn't even be hosting this game, let's be honest. No fan's going to be there, just let us play it like Murrayfield or something. I, I don't care where it's played. There's no need to have that at Hamden. I'm honestly glad that Kilmarnock got knocked out that season in the Scottish Cup. Because, like, what's the point? Graham, maybe you feel differently about it. But like, I'd, if, if right now we're gearing up for Scottish Cup semi-final weekend and I should be at Hamden and I wasn't allowed to go, I've not seen Kilmarnock play at Hamden since 2012, I would not be a happy person. This would be a very different Sean on this podcast today. That is fair. <laughs> I didn't talk about the aspect of you going to the games. You would be going to Hamden. It's just, I, but I remember when we did get knocked to the Scottish Cup, it was that horrendous game against Aberdeen where they came from behind about eight times to beat us at the, the 120th minute. Andy Constant. I'm over it, but I'm not. Um, speaking of uh, rivalries between Members of Energy Sport, Graham's Rangers travel to Rugby Park on uh, Sunday afternoon, 12 o'clock. Graham, it's a, it's a ground that Stephen Gerrard really has struggled at. It seems that the scoreline's just always 2-1 with a late winner one way or the other. I think maybe once you've got that Connor Goldson late header where 
those Rangers delinquents went on to destroy the disabled shelter because that's Rangers fans. Um, no, I'm joking, obviously. You're lovely, Graham. But, um, aye. It's a ground that Gerard struggled at. Do you expect that to continue? Or is this a new Rangers where those old worries will be out the window? Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, did you, sorry, did you just hear my mum there? I didn't hear What did she say? <laughs> she went, babes! <laughs> 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 Was that for me or? No, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can you ask me that question again? I was just going to put my mum coming in and interrupting. Yeah. Um, Stephen Gerrard? Stephen Gerrard's been horrendous at Rugby Park. Can he fix that? Yeah, I hope so. I certainly hope so. I think there's <laughs> enough on show this season that Rangers are on a different side that they can turn it around and create a better performance. Uh, you look at some of the other games that you played against just recently. The, 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 the last one last year was right in the middle of our bad spell like after we came back, and we were dreadful that day. I thought we still got, we got a couple of positions going against us. It happens. I'm not complaining about it. Whereas, but this year, this is kind of the best form we've ever had coming into playing music at Rugby Park. And use are okay at the moment. Nothing yeah. special. Nothing to write home about. We are I'm fine. still absolutely terrified. I'm still absolutely terrified of playing at Rugby Park. The, the, the surface and all, and their play style just suits playing against the big sides well. But I think we should have enough to beat us. Yeah, I mean Celtic came to Rugby Park early in the season and uh, couldn't get a win. Uh, like you said, though, Kelly are just sort of fine. They're not as good a team as they were under Steve Clark, obviously. But then they were sort of weren't looking great last season and then Rangers came and Alex Dara got that win with the late Eamon Brophy goal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, and like you say, uh, we do tend to do pretty well in these big games, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, certainly, I think it would be, in most weeks, be in, a, in with a good shout of being my game of the week, but Edward Derby Scottish Cup semi-final, that's what it is for me. I, I assume Cameron and Stroon won't disagree with me. Well, no, I agree with of you. Of course, uh, 100%. Easy. For what it's worth, I, I would say... Kelly Rangers, partly because it's last season in the Scottish Cup, semi, partly because semi-final was quite often tend to be nervous affairs. Yeah. Whereas this Kelly Rangers game, in regards to this season, which is a different level of pressure this season, it's massive. Rangers win, they then Celtic have to play Motherwell and Hibs in their next two games. Very very tough games. Motherwell resurgent and Hibs are third or fourth best team in the country so if Rangers win and Celtic drop points out of those two games the gap's looking about 9 or 10 points which is going to be tough for Celtic to get back when they don't, aren't playing well and they are second best in old firm games I was going to say normally you would say like, oh there's still three old firm games but I think they're all, they're all Rangers favourites for them even now yeah and it's a fascinating season in Scotland last season the Scottish Cup this season's title race there's plenty to focus on, um, but are we in agreement then that um, the energy extra time game of the week is Hearts versus Hibs at Hamden in the Scottish Cup semi final? Yeah, I think it has to be. Half five on a Saturday is a lovely kick off time as well. Yes, yeah. I'm surprised they actually got it right for once. No well, that, I imagine if, if fans were there, though, that would be <laughs> horrendous. I won't be watching it because, unfortunately, at the same time, Liverpool. But I hope you enjoy it. Who do Liverpool have on? At home to West Ham, minus Mikel and David Moyes is West Ham. That's actually going to be quite a good game. (laughs) (laughs) You're thinking you're a big patch. No, no, no. no. I was was just, when when Graham said we watching the Liverpool game, I was just thinking, oh, come on, we've got to watch the Scottish Cup between Hibs and Hearts and then I thought against West Ham. He was like, yeah, that's actually going to be quite good. (laughs) That's that's quite good, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That game's got got extra stakes for me, considering take that I found outrageous that Jamie McIntosh had on Tuesday night Liverpool oh Derby. that was a bad shout that that's actually shout. also an energy derby that's Taylor's West Ham and Graham and Cameron's Liverpool all over the shop mate we are massive we're all just going to follow me and Raf with who, the Man United Arsenal game what is this weekend who's going to leave the group chat first <laughs> this is my question <laughs> <laughs> like we'll up yeah, if you Rangers win, Celtic lose, and I post the clip. Eh, sorry, if you Amy's Rangers win, Celtic lose, and I post the Celtic can put anything and beat Rangers clip for about the 700th time. Oh, if I could be bothered editing in, I would edit in now, but I can't be. So that's the end of the show. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, you should have done your impression of it. 
<laughs> I can't do it just now. I've saved myself for a time where Amy's on so we can laugh at her. Um, and I can do my outro this week without having to do it a million miles an hour because I've got my charger in. So um, please do subscribe to Energy Extra Time so the podcast appears in your feed automatically. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ENRG Extra Time. The Fantasy Ramble will be out tomorrow as the guys look ahead to the Premier League week- weekend and give you their shouts that I don't even play anymore, but I'm still better than Jack Donnelly and Taylor Murray. Um, and there'll be the football roundup on Monday where we talk about uh, the Scottish Cup semi-finals. We'll talk about whether Rangers could pick up a winner at Rugby Park and loads more from the weekend. Thank you very much to Graham Sinclair, Struan, Mur- Struan Murray? Struan Murray! <laughs> Struan Garvey! And of course, Cabrera Wonstow for joining me. I've been Sean McGill, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week.